We don't want to lose that customer. And I think especially in the early days, I feel that you just have to do what you can if you're confident in your product being good. And I think that's another lesson is like choose a product that is truly differentiated because that will save you so much time and energy and money from a marketing perspective. Because people will share it for you. Hey, welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here today with Melinda Huang. Melinda is the founder of Happy Masks. And Happy Masks, as you can imagine, is a, uh, a mask company, a reusable face mask with a built-in washable uh, nanofiber uh, uh, membrane filter is what this mask is. It was created uh, out of the pandemic, right? Just in March of, or May of 2020, the company came into existence. And I'll have Melinda tell a little bit about more about the company and what it's all about. So Melinda, welcome to My Company Story. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, this is a pretty new, I might even say accidental business. Um, my father actually uh, worked on the technology for the, the nanofiber membrane filter using these masks in collaboration with a scientist um, almost 20 years ago um, when they were working together with a bigger company and they were creating this uh, for wastewater filtration actually. And then when SARS hit Taiwan, which is a type of coronavirus, that scientist uh, took it and started to use it in a mask form. So, the, so even though Happy Mask is relatively recent, the product itself, the technology, um, was initially developed almost 20 years ago in Taiwan. Oh, that's great. And your dad helped develop it back then in Taiwan and it was for water filtration and then and SARS hit and then it was for air filtration. And that yeah. was, how, many, how was that 10 years ago? When was that? SARS hit in the early 2000s. I think it was 2003. Right. Um, and what's interesting is, so it's been the design, the technology has been obsessed over for, you know, since then by the scientists who kind of went on, he's now 73 years old. So he was semi- he decided to kind of like semi-retire, not at all a business or, you know, salesperson. So he right. had this amazing product and he was just selling it through like word of mouth, really, not even a website and a little bit of like D2B to um, like health clinics in Taiwan. And so when I, when my mom shipped me a box at the beginning of the coronavirus, uh, simply because she was worried about me and my family and her grandkids, um, it had never really been marketed in the, you know, a broader sense beyond his, you know, him kind of like selling to f- family and friends in Taiwan. And it kind of grew a little bit through word of mouth right. because it's such a great product. I've right. never had a website, you know, n- none of the typical things. And, I, and I'll talk about this later, but I think it really, um, when you have a really great product and it's like a, a challenging to find one that hasn't really been, um, you know, marketed yet, right? Um, yeah. it, it makes your job a lot easier as an entrepreneur. I'll bet it does. I mean, because you've got a great product already going, especially one with a history and with the family connection like that. So tell yeah. me if you can, then how did you, I mean, obviously there was a huge demand for masks in, yeah. in a year ago in, in uh, April, May of uh, 2020. So how did you then, uh, why did you start the company? What were you, well, let's start back. What were you doing before that? And yeah. why did you stop or how did you stop and, and then transition to, to create the company? Yeah, sure. So my whole career, um, you know, since college business school has always been at big companies um, doing marketing. And I reached this point where I realized I didn't really enjoy it all that much. Um, I wanted to, I think I, I just had this 
desire to like start something of my own. So um, maybe it was July of 20, 2019, I left my job um, with this, you know, thought of like, I'm, I'm going to give myself one year to figure something out. And I kind of like tinkered with various different ideas. Um, I think I like thought about five different business ideas during that time. Um, when coronavirus hit, like right, be right before then, I was actually very serious about starting an apparel business. Um, and you can imagine, uh, and I had this whole idea about the type of fabric we'd use and the style. And, um, but when coronavirus hit, all of a sudden I have three kids at home who needed, you know, be Zoom schooled or home, you know, managed. My husband was working. Um, and I just kind of like set that aside on, on what I, you know, it's like on temporary hold until things got better and I, they could go off to school and I could actually focus on it. Um, and it was right around that time when my mom sent this box of masks. And it was an interesting thing because the masks have a very unique beak shape. And so back in, you know, March of 2020, really, uh, there weren't a lot of mask options out there. It was mostly, you know, homemade masks sold on Etsy. And so neighbors and kind of like friends started noticing these masks we were wearing that were sent by my mom that had this unique beak shape that clearly sit away from your nose and mouth. So they started asking like, where did you get those? And I told them, my mom sent them from Taiwan. Like, well, is your mom gonna send you more? If she does, can we, can she get some for us? And so enough people asked for that, that um, I ended up putting a Google spreadsheet together. And, and I actually thought, well, if I'm ordering for some friends, I may as well post it to my daughter's um, first grade Facebook group. And, and so I wasn't not at all in my head thinking I would make this into a business more like I'm going to just do a favor to my community and, and, you know, order some masks from Taiwan. And so I basically posted this spreadsheet to my social media network, and as well as to that Facebook group page. Um, and all it had on there was uh, size you want to order color. And I wrote second tab has some pictures of me and my family wearing it. I'm a medium, my kids are small, my husband's a large. And oh, by the way, it looks like these were certified. Here's some certifications, take a look. You know, like wow. not, yeah. Now, and so I, yeah, go ahead. Now, these, these were masks that were in Taiwan. Were they being, were these the masks that your, your family, your dad had designed and they were on limited distribution in Taiwan and they really weren't in the States or anywhere else? Or tell us why, I mean, yeah. what was going on with the manufacturing of those masks and why weren't sure. they available to anybody else out here? Yeah, so they were only available in Taiwan and not even through any formal means. It was just um, really word of mouth. So my, my father, in collaboration with a scientist, developed the nanofiber membrane filter. Then my, my father went on to a different job. And so that scientist, who is now 73 years old, um, semi-retired, like, and then he just was, you know, obsessing over the technology and the creation of these masks. But he's not a marketer. He's not a business person. Um all he, he just spent time with this machine to make these filters and sewers to figure out how to create a really great fit, but he never really, you know, productized it. He never so, brought it to market. Yeah. So it was really a cottage industry in Taiwan then. He was making it out of his home or out of his garage, so to speak, and just with a few people making limited supply of these masks. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And then you would get, you would get them. And now all of a sudden there's a huge demand for these masks out here everywhere around the world, but, but yeah. you found all of a sudden people are, are clamoring for these now at this time. So what was that like? I mean, so how did you, did, did you have a, a like huge uh, demand and limited supply or what was going on? In those yeah. Early days? 
Yeah. So basically from that first spreadsheet, um, it was kind of crazy. I walked away and three days later, found out over a thousand masks were ordered across a hundred people. And uh, so he didn't even have that many masks. Like this is the, what I'm talking about. Like his operation was so small. So he takes the next few weeks to make these masks. A month later, the box arrives with these masks. And um, I'm literally like putting these into little brown bags for people to pick up from my front porch. And um and it was this wave, it was this crazy thing where, you know, they would come pick it up and almost everyone right after they got the mask would either email or call and say, oh my gosh, these are amazing. Um, if you're going to do another order from Taiwan, Taiwan, can you let me know? Cause I need to get some for my parents or my neighbors saw them and they want it too. And it's like, when it's not just one person, but literally every person you've who right. tied the mask comes back with this. Yeah. It's a signal. It's a signal from the market, right? That sure. there's something special here. Um, and that was, let's see, that was April. And then I think when that happened, oh, and by the way, I knew nothing about masks. So I took this right. to an apparel factory in LA because I was working on apparel, right? So it's curious how easy this would be to replicate. Yeah. So I bring it there to the guy in charge and I'm like, can, can you replicate this? How easy is this to copy? And he cuts it open. He's like, there's no way you'll ever find anyone willing to make this here because really? it's such a level of um, like the trim is hand sewn on right. the filter is perfectly cut to, you know, match the shape of the mask. It is not your typical flat, you know, like mask. Yeah. It's produced. not the typical mask that we're yeah. wearing now, but very unique and very proprietary. Extremely, yeah. And he's like, you're not going to find any, any factory willing to who first has a skill to do this. And secondly, will will is willing to put the time and effort into like into doing this so what do you you, how do you what do you do about that i mean you've got all these customers you've got a great problem to have which you've got people wanting to buy from you but you have only a very limited you know we have a a, in taiwan a a relatively small manufacturing home manufacturing thing yeah great product so what how do you solve that problem well um well first i decided to make this into a business. So I'm like trying to create a website on one hand, writing copy and all that. Secondly, I created another Google spreadsheet. And I think there's a lot of value in like just getting your product into the hands of customers. Like this happened kind of accidentally for me, but I think it's really easy to want to like perfect everything before you have your grand reveal and your grand launch as an entrepreneur. Um, because the product already existed, I just got into people's hands. And, and the thing about spreadsheet selling is I have to email and call all of them to figure out how to get it to them, get their address. And so every time I did that, I would pick their brain to see who is this person? Why are they buying it? Who are they buying it for? What do they like or don't like about the mask? And so it's like getting a lot of knowledge that was feeding into how I was um, creating the website. And then um, meanwhile, just trying to scale the operations on, on his end. Like, I can't tell you, like, he didn't have consistent fabric. He didn't have consistent colors. It was like he used scrap fabric. So it was oh. kind of like you get you get what you get, you know? Yeah. And yeah. You know, it's like, so oh, I, they I, ran out of gray. So we got a different gray. And I was like, no, 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 we can't do that. We need consistency. Right. Um, right. And so even like things as basic as that, it took a lot of like working with him to do it, um, getting enough sewers, getting the like the machinery in place to like be producing, because he never produced these in any kind of a consistent way. It was like, oh, I'll make a hundred here and right. sell a little bit. You know, it was like very loosey-goosey. So was, was, was he selling to anybody besides you or were you his only distribution channel? Um, and I was his only distribution channel. And I think a lot of it is because he 
uh, he has a lot of pride in his product and a little, a lot of distrust. I think of um, just like partnering with, right. I think other people had asked if they could represent him. I am extremely lucky in that my father worked with him and right. had known he him had for a trust so many years. Because of your relationship. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And but, I think that so, that was why. So you, so you tried to get the same masks manufactured by somebody else and no one else could do it or was willing to do it. So are, were you, yeah. did you, are you still with, with the one operation there now or fast forward to today, what some nine, 12, 12 months later, yeah. are, are you in a, what, how did, what, what pivoted there or what changed to, to make things uh, so you're as, as big and successful as you are today? Um. It just took a lot of months. So we, we're still working with him. It's still that manufacturer. We actually cannot, uh, we can't really, well, he owns the technology, right? So so that that filter is, is his proprietary secret, his secret. Like he, we, he even has a, like a, a patent for it that just got filed. So um, this is not something that can just be copied. I was curious if it could be like just if I got the filter here, if it could be easily made and I found out it actually can't be. And I didn't ask the question because I wanted to make it here. I asked the question to see how easy it would be to copy. Cause you know, right now it's so easy to replicate any product. Right. Right. Um, and so oh, all throughout the summer it was, okay, how do we get more sewers? How do we, how do we get your manufacturing into more of a consistent rhythm? Right. Um, how do we get better product consistency? And I'll say like, we're still working on all of these things. It's yeah. not, it's, it's a lot better than what it was, but it's not where it needs still to be. Still not yet. where it needs to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Melinda, yeah. Where do you, I mean, what, tell me now, and th this seems like, is this a business that will go away then once vaccines come about? And once we get back to our quote unquote normal lifestyle where masks are not as needed as they are today, where do you see the future of, of this industry of, of your company? Yeah, I think um, it's a really good question. And when we think about it all the time, I, so one of the things I've been doing is I, I test out every time I see another mask that looks good, I buy it to test it out. And um and I'm very, I, I think I, I'm very objective when I try. If I, if I find something that's better, I can recognize it's better. And I haven't really found one that I think is truly better than ours yet. And I think when I, when you have that conviction that you have something that is more comfortable, more protective than, than other masks, I, you know, our bet right now is we lean into that. I think if, if I didn't have that conviction, I would be thinking, oh shoot, we got to pivot. We need to like get more products, right? Um, I think a lot less people will be wearing masks when the pandemic is over. But I think that uh, it's a, the market will not totally go away because if you have, if you're immune compromised, if you know, during cold and flu season, you need to hop on an airplane. Like there's certain situations where I think it's a lot more, it'll just be a lot more accepted that, you know, you might, you're willing to put on a mask to prevent you and the people you love from getting sick. Right. And I think that those are the, specific situations that we want to we want to be the company people think of and call on and you know we've been thinking a lot about our mission like we didn't think of a mission in the beginning because it was just like we got to get going you know yeah, yeah. um but <clears throat> well, I the beginning like, there were so many people needing your product they were clamoring for it and now now what you're telling me is there there will be a future where there will be not as many people wearing masks so it'll be a, a smaller market smaller, but you need yeah. to position yourself to be in a in a place to be the premier mask when you do need a mask to get into to an airplane or, or or because you're in flu season pick my mask and use this one is what you're doing then 
Yeah, yeah. And I think one thing that's happened because of the pandemic is you're just a lot, everyone's much more aware about the air they breathe. And so yeah. even like wildfire season, <laughs> allergies, a lot of our customers come back and say, hey, I haven't had allergies ever since I started wearing your mask. And, yeah. you know, it's like these, these, these are the, the use cases that I, you know, that we want to be the, the, the brand people think of. When, right, right. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what, what, tell, tell us what, I know you've, you've mentioned quite a few challenges already today on this show, but the challenge, especially of, of working with a supplier who is limited supply and yet you've got all this demand for it. What's another challenge you can think of that, that would, that you've had to overcome uh, in growing your business? Yeah, well, um, so after we, we launched our site, we were selling through the site and it was, you know, as people tried our masks, they, the word just kind of started to grow very organically. We did no paid marketing and um, we consistently just had, you know, more demand than supply. And I think when you're early and you're confident that this is a, you have a product when people try it, they love it. You can't really afford to be out of supply and not sell because then you don't have enough market presence for them to come back and look for you. They'll just go buy another mask, right? right. So to, to deal with that, we started taking pre-orders and I'm not joking. There was a good chunk in the summer when um, our pre-order wait time was four weeks. And wow. so, um, and it was this logistical, like I think over the summer, I remember looking, we had 2,200 orders that were waiting to be shipped out. And at the time it was just, my husband and I working on everything. So if you can imagine the idea of like, we got to pack 2000 plus shipments for, of, for masks that haven't even arrived yet. I, it was like a hole that kept getting deeper and deeper, but we couldn't we were like, how do we dig ourselves out of this? Yeah. Um, but we did it because we wanted to capture the sale and we didn't right. want to lose that customer. And I think, especially in the early days, you just, I, I, I feel that you just have to do what you can if you're confident in your product being good. And I think that's another lesson is like, choose a product that is truly differentiated because that will save you so much time and energy and money from a marketing perspective. Sure. If people will share it for you. Yeah. Um, You've got a superior then, product. People are going to talk about it. People are going to clamor for it. There's no problem with trying to convince someone they need it. They need, they know yeah. they need it and it's a better product out there. So that, that's a, that's a wonderful lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that is probably the first lesson. And that is what we owe a lot of our success to yeah. um, then and now. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's good. Are there any other bits of advice that you'd want to pass along to other entrepreneurs that might be listening about, about from, from some of the lessons that you've learned in, in, in growing your company in such a unique company at such a unique time? Yeah, I would say another lesson is um, it's so easy to want to have everything perfect before you launch, whether it's your product or website and, and have this grand reveal. The truth is, though, that you're going to it's not going to be perfect. You know, it's going to continue to evolve and you're going to you need to kind of make yourself vulnerable to feedback. Um, and sometimes that feedback, feedback is really hard to listen to. But it's almost like every step we take every from the beginning until now has been the direct result of what customers have told us. You know, we need an extra large size. We need better designs for kids. Um, you know, like all of these, you take a lot of effort to act on, but that is how we will grow. Because if, if, if you kind of like take the feedback uh, and you act on it, it, it opens up the market even more. Yeah, um, and true. so I, yeah, so I'd say like, don't be shy. Don't try to have everything be perfect. I mean, even we, we were spending, selling off of a spreadsheet for such a long time. Yeah. Um, I think 
any chance you can get to, to, to get honest feedback. And, and I think the most honest feedback is when you're not selling to your friends, because your yeah. friends will always want to be very positive, get beyond your inner circle and find reasons. I mean, I was doing all the customer service in the beginning too. And, and so you just learn so much from, from doing their that. feedback. Yeah. yeah. Did you, one last question, uh, 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 Melinda, did you find in uh, a, your mindset from when you were working for large corporations in the marketing brand, lots of resources, lots of people around you to then in a big office to then working yeah. in a small on your own with your husband, family. I mean, what was that transition like? Was that difficult to make or was that easy or what was the difference there between those two environments that you were in? Yeah, um, it was a huge transition and it made me realize how little I knew. <laughs> um, having worked in corporate America for so long, this is not at all to put down corporate America or people who work in it, but it just made me realize how um, it's so easy to not think as a business owner when you work for a big company, because you're just kind of like focused on your little silo. And um, it taught me a lot about, you know, acting quickly, um, how speed is just as important as what we strive, what we, what we call like striving for perfection. Um, when you run your own business, you, you just have to act fast. And that when I talk about speed, I don't mean just about like speed, you know, launching a product, going to market. It's also speed to quickly fix things, fix problems that come up. And, and I keep thinking there will be a time when there are fewer problems. And I realized that it's just like one problem after another. Right, after another. right, right. And, um, right. And I'll, you know, and I, it's so much of a mental game too, because, and this is another thing I didn't realize is like, you can kind of like shut it off when you work for a company Then never, it's like never shuts off in my brain. It's just, yep. you know, it's such a marathon. And, and I think that's when you have to also just kind of take care of yourself from an emotional perspective. And I didn't do this at all in the beginning. And I, and I really started to feel kind of burned out somewhere yeah. in the middle and I'm still, you know, early. So this is, I, I think it's very important to um, just find ways to make sure you don't get burned out to find a way to like step out of your day to day, if you can, whether that's going for a walk, yeah. Um, I don't want to sound all like meta, but like, you know, I started doing like a meditation, even just for like 10 minutes, uh, because I just, otherwise just, it's so easy to feel overwhelmed and so just buried in a hole of problems. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have to get our head in the yeah. right space to, to be able to function properly. And that's a, that's a yeah. great description of the, of the large company environment to the small company environment and making that transition. Well, Melinda, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. It's really been a pleasure talking to you. And I think that we've gotten some great advice that uh, people can listen to and, and uh, we want to follow your success and look forward to, uh, to hearing great things in the future with you. Thanks, Don. I really enjoyed talking to you too. All right. Thanks, Melinda. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening.